0: Today, we get to meet Carolyn Rods, one of the founders of Hello Alice. If you are a small business owner looking for resources in community, keep on listening. Yes, you are here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more if you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment you have come to the right place gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo now let's jump in to today's dose of money confidence How is it going? I'm so happy to have you here today and supporting this show, listening to this show, sharing this show means the world to me. This is Jen Hemphill, your host, and today we are starting our month. I know it's the second week of May, but we are starting our month. The focus is really highlighting Latina leaders and Today, we're going to kick it off with an amazing, phenomenal Latina. So let me tell you a little bit about Carolyn Rods. As a founder of ALICE, the Intelligent Business Advisor for Entrepreneurs, she serves as an advocate for inclusive entrepreneurship. Carolyn works alongside governments, corporations, foundations, and ecosystem builders to connect women minority veteran and other underrepresented entrepreneurs to the capital resources mentors and partners needed to fuel their growth. She's also very active. She's a board member for the Texas A&M Mays College of Business, a United Nations Global Accelerator delegate, a TEDx speaker. Oh my goodness, she's so amazing. I'm excited for you to meet Carolyn. In this episode, you're going to learn the impact her entrepreneurial family from Bolivia had on her career, as well as how Hello Alice can help small business owners, her top tips for small business owners, as well as the best practices or her best practices for crowdsourcing. Lista, vamos a conocer this reina of her money. Bienvenida Carolyn to the Her Dinero Matters podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. You are just a go-getter. The things that you have done, you are a phenomenal woman. So I am just honored to have you here.
1: Gracias, Jen. I'm so excited to be here with such an amazing group of listeners and talking about the things that I love the most. Money and
0: Latinos. (laughs) Me encanta, me encanta. Well, I'm really excited to see where this conversation takes us. So take us to a point in time that was pivotal to how you saw money and tell us about that. Again, it could be a memory. It could be a specific point in time in your life, something that you saw or heard, witnessed. What was that for you?
1: There were two really big things for me, I think, that framed, frankly, both the career path I chose and the way that I look at money. My father and my grandmother were both entrepreneurs, are both very entrepreneurial. My father ran a commercial insurance company in the States, a small business that grew from the ground up. And my grandparents ran a cookie factory and bread factory in La Paz, Bolivia, where we used to spend every summer. And I remember with my grandmother, my favorite thing in the summer was to go to the factory uh, and certainly to get cookies fresh off the big machines and Right out of the ovens, and to see sort of the whole supply chain of how they went from being made and mixed to how they actually ended up being sold on the streets and in the stores. It was always interesting to me, I think, the power that that business brought to their family, to our whole family, in terms of it gave them the flexibility to certainly make the money that gave us a wonderful lifestyle in Bolivia, but also it really empowered all of the people around the business. It empowered the people who worked at the factory to get educations and to support their families. It empowered the people that sold the cookies out on the streets and their little kiosks. It empowered so many people. And so it always felt like money was a way to sort of buy opportunity more than anything else. And I think that really inspired me to think about entrepreneurship in general and to think about owning my own career. The other piece that really was pivotal for me as a child was my father's business. And he started, left corporate America, started his own company, and had a really hard time at the beginning. And there were a lot of times that my mother would tell us we had Christmas coming up, and she'd be like, you know, lower your expectations. It's a really tough year, and we're, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. And we've got to think about the things that we're going to do, or we'd go camping instead of going on another trip. But we had to be really, really conscientious of the money that we were spending. And always my father was like, this is worth it. We're investing in the future, we're investing in the future. And we have to bet on ourselves in order to build the future that we want. And so from both sides of that, I, I saw what the opportunity brought, but I also saw the hardship and the time that it took to get there. I think my grandparents were certainly a lot further along in the journey. My dad came from a very poor family and built everything up himself and so for me, it was always, I knew what was on the other side and, and my father's company ultimately grew to be a very successful business, but I saw really up close what it takes to build that up and the time and investment you have to put to get there.
0: Okay. So then your grandparents' business is on your mom's side of the family. And then is your father from Bolivia too? Or my is father's he... American, so, okay, so you are culturally very different. <laughs> I was curious because that is like me. I was born in Colombia. My mom's from And my mom's from there as well. And then my dad, he's from here. I was just curious. That's very interesting. And interesting that with your grandparents in Bolivia, that their journey was a little different in terms of, well, of course you mentioned they were further along and how your father, he saw as an American, because the stereotype that Latinos have of Americans is that we've got the money, that things are easy and everything. So it's interesting, your father, the American, he was the one that had a more difficult time, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of the business, but obviously, lo saco adelante. That is awesome. And so there was no way you weren't not going to be an entrepreneur <laughs> with that influence. There is just, that was innate. I always
1: wanted the corporate life. When I was going through school, I had no desire to be an entrepreneur because I saw the hard work that it took and I saw the uncertainties that it brought. And I felt like that corner office in a big building in Manhattan felt so much more secure. And it wasn't until I went down that path, I started off in investment banking and worked there for four years at JP Morgan. And it was a great experience, but I very quickly realized it wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted. I, I liked the freedom and the excitement of, of building my own company.
0: Right. So you had a little bit of the corporate <laughs> job, and then you were like, nope, I want entrepreneurship. Now you co founded. Hello, Alice. So where did this inspiration come from? And why the name? Tell us about the name, Hello, Alice. I know that answer, but I want to hear from you. Certainly.
1: (laughs) So Hello, Alice started as the answer to what I wish I would have had when I started my first company. I left investment banking, started a business in the retail space. And after two years, ended up closing that business down I was broke. I had credit card debt. I wasn't sure I was going to pay my mortgage. I was really just in a financial mess, to be honest, which was a really tough thing to go through from making a great salary, having good bonuses. I had great savings to having nothing. And I put so much work into that. I sold my house. I got a little bit of money out of that, paid off my debt, got a job making a third of what I was making in investment banking and started a second company shortly thereafter. That company was much more successful. I ultimately ended up selling it, not for life-changing money, but I sold it for some money and proved to myself that I could start a business and succeed at it. And as I started mentoring and helping other business owners, I saw so many of the mistakes that I'd run into the first time around that they were making. And it just frustrated me that I felt like in every career, when I was at the bank, there was such a clear career path in terms of, you, know, you started as an analyst, you became an associate, you became a vice president. There was a really clear direction. And in school all my life, there had been a very clear direction as to what was next. And when I hit entrepreneurship, there was no path, you're sort of just left out there to figure it out for yourself. And even in businesses where the path had been paved before, and other people were doing it, there was still no guidance and direction. And so it reminded me so much when we were thinking about the concept behind Hello Alice, which is a community that supports entrepreneurs through their path and navigating these uncharted territories, The story of Alice in Wonderland just came kind of front and center to us that, you know, it's this uncharted world that's peppered with these rabbit holes and you can go, you know, down a ton of different turns and it's very confusing and sometimes you feel really big and sometimes you're strong and there's all these unusual things happening, but it's yours to create and it's yours to navigate. So we really saw every entrepreneur as being the embodiment of Alice. They were foregoing the status quo and they were choosing their own adventure and what better story to equate that with than Alice in Wonderland. So Hello, Alice became sort of that welcoming place for every entrepreneur.
0: I absolutely love that because I didn't know that that's where it came from. And when I read, I'm like, that is just so amazing and just so appropriate. And then hearing you explain a little more.
1: I was at the time, Also, both my business partner and I, had our children were very young. They're now between five and nine for both of us. Mine are six and eight. We were both reading Alice in Wonderland to our children. We lived together for a while. We were building the first version of this. I moved out to California. My husband was working in Houston still. We sort of just blended our families completely in the scrappiest of entrepreneurial ways. They all became best friends, but we were reading Alice in Wonderland. And when we were naming the company, we're like, this is perfect. Like it kept resonating with us.
0: I love that. Now, for those listening, especially those that are considering entrepreneurship, or maybe just started entrepreneurship, and that want to know more about Hello, Alice, because they have an idea what it is. But what is the primary mission of Hello, Alice,
1: it's making sure that every business owner, regardless of where you start, or where you're going, that every entrepreneur has the toolkits they need to succeed. And so We use predictive learning to match business owners based on their personal profile and based on their business profile with relevant tools at every milestone. So if they're trying to hire an employee, we put them on a path that's specific to where they live because the process is different in California or New York or Idaho or Florida. And so we're making sure that you have the tools that you need, that you have the mentors and experts that are relevant to you, that you're finding local programs, grants that are relevant to you. And everything is pushed out to make it so much easier for those business owners. And the best part is it's totally free. So you just go to HelloAlice.com, register, and there's no cost to any of those benefits.
0: And how can, because we're speaking to primarily Latinas, how can that Latina small business owner make the best use of Hello Alice? Because I know you mentioned grants. I know you mentioned different programs. Is it just simply signing up? I know you send the... I think it's weekly, or I guess you can also decide how often you want to receive the newsletters possibly. So how would you suggest that you make the best use? What
1: we really want to do is make sure that it's, again, targeted to who you are as a business owner. The experience for Latinas is really different than the experience for other demographics and groups. There are unique grants that are available to us. There are networks and programs that are available to us. There are also media outlets that are covering these stories that are unique to our community. And so we're always pushing those, knowing that if you're a Latina, you're building a business, here are the things that you should know about. We also have a business center that's specific to Hispanic business owners. It's hispanic.helloalice.com. And we aggregate all the resources from across our platform too and cluster those together there. So it's a really easy search through things that might be of interest.
0: And then what would you say for those that are already aware of Hello Alice, what is one thing that you wish people were more aware of? And that maybe it's just not necessarily a hidden secret that you're just really proud of, but just something that you just like, why aren't they more taking advantage of this more? What is that something that maybe you're just really proud of? I think
1: of? the value of the community, and this is something we probably don't talk about enough, but we have members of the media and mentors and corporations always going through the community and looking through profiles to find things that match for certain needs that they have. So an example might be if Pepsi you know, has an accelerator for female entrepreneurs in the food and beverage space, and they're looking for really great innovations that they can find within the small business community. They're looking on our platform. And so making sure that, that profiles are updated and relevant. Anytime we need a story if you know, Forbes calls and says, hey, we want to cover this, who can we match to, we go to those profiles and look for those people. And there are real humans that are searching and making those matches lots of times when they're kind of one-off needs. And so that's a huge piece of it is that we are, as a team, very, very committed to making sure that every time an opportunity comes through, we're pushing the best people and the best matches towards those opportunities. And it doesn't matter flashy your website is or whatever. It really is the story and the substance behind your business.
0: That is good to know. That is good to know. And how would you say that, do you feel as of now that it's just a small portion of the people that have signed up for Hello Alice that have not updated their profiles?
1: Yeah, there are certainly, I think people come in and they're active and they're consuming content, but they're not contributing as much as they could. And it really contributions that sort of helps people bubble up to the top and and get noticed on the platform and so we have a lot of people that are very active in the community that we've been able to say hey you asked a question and i'm on that i'm in community every single day reading those questions personally as is our whole team and so when we're hearing about these opportunities across our partnerships team and you know the group that's working like directly with a lot of these organizations they're always connecting those dots in their heads and saying oh my gosh you have to know about this person someone just asked a question And I think they'd be really great. So it requires a lot of giving to, I think, to really extract everything from the platform that that you can.
0: This episode is brought to you by Financially Strong Latina La Membresia. Imagine having a space of like-minded mujeres to lean on for support, accountability, and to get those dinero questions answered. You have that and more with Financially Strong Latina La Membresia. You can check out the details of this monthly membership at jenhempill.com forward slash membership. Tell anybody I told you, we also have a private members only podcast in addition to all the wonderful benefits you get with this membership. So go check it out. And then during this time, especially during the pandemic, because that's when I've learned about you during this pandemic, what have you learned in within the community or what has been asked about the Latinx women business owners that maybe you were surprised or maybe you weren't so surprised about that? What I
1: love about Latinas is that they are so scrappy and so optimistic. I think what we have seen from a lot of our data as well is showing incredible optimism of small business owners in general. But Latinas don't complain, they pick up and they move forward and they find solutions to things. And there's just an energy and a collaboration among the community that is so strong. So I've been doing a lot certainly during Hispanic Heritage Month, really specifically with the Latina community. But throughout the year, it's something that I'm personally very passionate about being part of this community. I think there's an energy that is just unmatched among Latinas that gives me so much excitement about the future, because I think it's an
0: underappreciated, I think, often group. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you.
1: But we sing our praises a lot to each other, and there's a lot of Latina pride that's so prevalent. And I think it's just now starting to get outside and to really be pushed outside of our own world. And so that's something I'm very excited about the year to come, because I think there's going to be a lot more momentum there.
0: I hear that. And I definitely agree with what you're saying about Latinas, because most recently I was teaching a workshop series for Latinos who are small business owners. And this is obviously amongst the pandemic. They're just getting started, or basically, this program is helping them create the business plan. And I came in to teach them about finances and all that. And like you said, the optimism. I mean, this we're in the middle of pandemic. I don't think if I were in business now, I don't know if I would be starting a business at this point, right? And so just the sheer fact that some of them are like pressing ahead, they're not letting this stop them. They're gonna press ahead because this is something maybe their dreams or their vision. So I definitely see that. And I'm curious to know now, we've been in this pandemic for way too long, but we're gonna be here for a bit, unfortunately. I'm sure that has shifted a little bit of your goals or maybe your vision for Hello, Alice. Tell us about like, what are you foreseeing in terms of what you want to add on or your goals with Hello, Alice in this next year?
1: Interestingly, the pandemic certainly turned our world upside down like it did to many business owners. We had invested a lot of money into a very geographic-specific event strategy that we were rolling out throughout 2020, really centered around the election cycle and what that meant for small business owners. Obviously, everything got scrapped and kind of thrown aside. Nobody cared about the election until right before. uh, These are much more focused on other things, just survival mode. But what it taught us was that the issues that we've been tackling since the beginning, we, we took a step back and said, all right, what are we here to solve for? And it was all about for us making sure that there was an equitable opportunity to build a small business that was successful. And we felt like that wasn't necessarily the case in a lot of areas. It wasn't the case when it came to funding. It wasn't the case when it came to access to mentorship or access to talent. It wasn't the case when it came to access to the media. And so all of these areas that we'd identified that sparked the idea for Hello Alice in the first place only became more prevalent and brought more attention to them. So in that sense, Everybody kind of looked at us and it's funny. I hear from so many people, they're like, oh, you're so lucky. You're just in the right place at the right time at this intersection of small business and diversity. I'm like, I guess we're in the right place at the right time, but we've been here since 2014. Like we've been working on this for a very long time and that's what it takes. I think it's this idea that you have to be so committed to the mission that anytime the world changes, there's still relevance. These problems that we're solving are really important problems and a pandemic isn't going to change that. It might heighten it, I think, and it brought awareness to it, which for us, our business has grown quite a bit as a result of, of everything that's happening, because everybody's saying, how do we help? What do we do? And we're a portal for that support. But it, for anything, whether it's natural disasters, whether it's whatever, we always keep a really strong handle on our mission of supporting business owners. And so if a hurricane comes, we're there in those communities figuring out how do we help the business owner that were impacted? Pandemic is no different a booming economy is no different because we wanna make sure, look, there's a ton of money, there's a ton of funds and resources. How do we channel those to the right companies? And so I think that's the big takeaway for me during all of this was your North Star is really important and don't ever lose sight of it. And you're gonna pivot the way you communicate around it or the way you market around it or the way you're tackling the problems that you're trying to overcome, but you should never have to change the mission that you're trying to achieve.
0: Agree. That is definitely powerful. And with the services that you offer, there's opportunities for grants and so forth. Are there, I'm not sure if you can speak, I'm thinking you can. What would you say are the best practices for crowdfunding? So this is a question that came in from a listener that obviously is interested in crowdfunding. What would you say are some of the best practices?
1: I love crowdfunding because I think it proves two things. It proves, is there a market for your product? Is there interest for it? And then two, it proves, are people actually willing to pay for it? Because it's one thing to say, oh, this is a great product. And all your friends always tell you, this is wonderful and what a great idea. But are they actually willing to put money on the table to make a purchase? And so before you invest anything in terms of building out prototypes and having the product ready and going to market, you get to test and find that traction. If it's a flop, it can be a flop, certainly for a lot of reasons, but it's a really low cost way to figure out if there's a fit there. The other thing that I love about it is that it brings a lot of attention from investors and from the media. They're always, again, looking through those sites and trying to find interesting stories. And so really being thoughtful about how you're building the campaign and getting creative around doing something outside of the box, because there are thousands of products and services that are being floated through those platforms. You have to stand out. One of the interesting stats around crowdfunding is that it's less than 10% of funding that typically comes from friends and family in your existing network. So so many times people think they're going to rely on their own networks to fund a lot of that and they send out emails and they're asking people to post and that's all well and good, but that's going to be such a tiny percentage that you have to think about how am I going to push this digitally? How am I going to build some excitement around this? with the press or with influencers or with others or do something so wacky and wild during that campaign that people can't help but
0: notice and share. That is good stuff. And I'm sure for those that are interested in crowdfunding or wanting to learn more, they can also just Sign in and talk to community members, because maybe some community members have also some thoughts and ideas on that and just the the collaboration in there. Now, I'm curious, too, in perspective of the the Latinx businesses, do you I don't know if you have any data at your reach of the number of Latinx businesses that you have assisted. We
1: have. It is almost a third of our community that identify as Latinx. So we have a very strong Latinx community. They're very active on the platform. They're always sharing resources as well. And so it's a huge group. It's one of the fastest growing groups of entrepreneurs. And so we're always looking for new resources to bring to them and new programs. And it's been great. We do a ton of collaborations with organizations like Stanford's LBAN program, with Hispanic Star, with the U.S. Hispanic Chamber. And all of these partners were just working to say, what are the things that are new in your worlds? And how do we bring them to the forefront for all of these business owners?
0: I love that. And I also commend you for what you're doing, because I know you don't primarily serve just Latinx companies, you serve small businesses, but we know that small business over, I don't have the data right in front of me, but it's a significant portion in terms of small businesses. There's a lot of small business owners of the Latinx community and in amongst the women, if I'm not mistaken, the income, of course, it goes to the wage gap, the business owners and even the women working nine to five. They're just not making the money. So I think companies like yours, that support can help minimize that gender wage gap and especially amongst the small business owners. So I really, really commend you and what you're doing because it's definitely needed. And again, I know it's not just the Latinx communities, but for small businesses, but speaking on behalf of the Latinx community, I think it's what you're doing is fantastic. So I appreciate you. Now, the other thing that I wanted to ask you is what are some suggestions that you have for a small business owner that maybe the top mistakes that they're making that maybe you have some solutions to, or what are some of those things that you would like the listener that is a small business owner or thinking about it to just learn about? Sure.
1: So many things. And I think I probably made most of these mistakes myself. The first is getting a really strong handle on your market. So many times somebody says, I have a great idea. This is going to be so wonderful. And they don't take the time to research. Is there a big enough market to support the costs that come with that business? An example would be if you're opening a store, make sure there are enough people within driving distance of that store that have an interest in your product. It might be a great product that five people love. That's not enough to sustain a business. The second piece is being thoughtful about the type of company and lifestyle that you want to build for yourself. If you want to build a lifestyle business that supports you and supports your family, that's a very different type of business than running a startup where you're going to bring in investors and you're going to grow to hundred million plus company that's going to provide a return to investors. And often I see people that say they want to run a startup, but they're running a small business. and You have to be thoughtful about which track you're on. They're both wonderful tracks and you can build great lives for yourself and you can sustain employees and you can do a lot of the things that are very similar, but you have to build a different sort of company. So get a good handle on the market, think about the type of company that you wanna run and then prioritize and de-risk as fast as you can. The first exercise I think every business owner should go through is laying out what are all the ways that their business might fail. And one by one, from the, the highest and most prevalent reason that you might fail, start tackling those. And so if the idea is that you know, everybody might hate your product, then you better go out and start testing every which way that you can make sure people love that product and that it's a great product. If it's that you're not going to get enough attention online, then you better go build a following that's huge as fast as you can. And if you can't hit that benchmark, don't move forward with your company. But start with the big risks and then work towards the smaller ones.
0: Awesome. And one thing that you mentioned was startup versus a small business. So if you can talk to us a little bit about that, just because I want the person that's listening to make sure that they may be thinking they're a small business owner, but they're really a startup. So tell us what are the differentiations? That's where my Spanglish comes in. Differentiations. What are those in between the startup and the small business?
1: The biggest one for a startup is your are creating something new that doesn't yet exist in the world. And it might be a concept that exists, but you're doing it in a very different way and you're growing rapidly. So you're going to go into a market, you're going to disrupt that market, and you're going to create something that is highly scalable, meaning that it could ultimately be a billion dollar business. And so you have to have a very clear path of how you're going to get there and what that means. You're probably going to bring in investors, but those investors in order to do that are going to want at least the opportunity to get 10 times their return. If they're going to invest a million dollars, they need a clear way that they're going to get $10 million out of that business. And so you have to create that path for them and show them how they're going to do it. Now, there's a, a very hybrid world in there where you think of a small business. And I'll take an example that's here in Houston, a company called Hamper. It's a dry cleaning company. That is morphing from a small business. It was a company that was owned by the founder's parents has transitioned now to the son, and he's turning it into a startup where there's delivery and it's very tech enabled and it's turning into a startup. And so small businesses can evolve from a small business into a startup. And it's one of the things we focus a lot of our content and support at Hello Alice around is how to make that transition but you're operating differently. You're pouring money back into the business. You're probably not taking a very big salary. You're looking for outside funding to fuel that growth with the hopes that there's a very scalable return.
0: I like that. And I didn't even think about the hybrid part. I think there's a hybrid in everything.
1: <laughs> Companies like Away is a great example of luggage company that could be a great small business or it could be a massive brand and they really treated themselves like a startup or SoulCycle. You know, you have these, fitness studios that there's a ton of fitness studios that are small businesses, but they took a model that was very much a rapidly scaling startup.
0: Love that. Well, Carolyn, I have learned so much. And I really, as I mentioned, I appreciate everything that you all do at Hello Alice because like I said, and like you said, it was something that you wish you had when you started. So I think you're doing a lot of great work. So please keep doing that. And you as a Latina, thank you so much for your leadership for us Latinas and the Latinx community. So thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And thank you for spending some time with us today. Well, thank
1: you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for bringing more attention to the amazing Latinas out there. We've got to stick together and I think we'll do amazing things together. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Carolyn. I know I did. And I love not only her story, but I love what Hello Alice is about and really their mission and their commitment to really help and serve our underserved communities that are small business owners. And I love that you can connect and learn more over at Hello Alice alice.com you don't have to pay anything to join their community you just sign up and it's basically what you make it and i'm going to be honest i have signed up for hello alice and i have not taken full advantage but if you are in there and really looking for the resources and everything that they put out there you can get a lot of benefit out of it now i want to hear from you what were your thoughts On the conversation that we had today, what are some questions that I didn't ask that you would have loved for me to ask? You can text me the word listener to 202-918-5197. That's 202-918-5197 and share with me your thoughts, your questions and This is not a bot system. I will be the one texting back. So I can't wait to hear from you. Now, if you aren't already following us on the podcast platform you listen to, go ahead and hit the follow button. It could be a follow button. It could be a plus button. Whatever that is for you on your podcast platform, go ahead and do so. Because once you do, you automatically get those updates when we release a new episode. And we definitely do it every Thursday. But sometimes we have bonus episodes. And if you don't hit that follow button, you're not going to know about it unless you decide to go to the podcast and listen to. So it's really good to just hit the follow button And we also would love it if you give us a review. I know you may not be listening to us on Apple Podcasts. I know you may be listening on Spotify. And as of this moment, from my knowledge, you can only place reviews on Apple Podcasts. So yes, we would love reviews on Apple Podcasts. But if you cannot do that, or if you don't want to do that, there is an option which is called Podchaser. And you can go to jenhempill.com forward slash podchaser. Yes, you have to create an account. It's free. And you can review this podcast and other podcasts while you're at it. Give us podcasters some love. Next week, we have the opportunity to meet Ileana Musa, who has a leadership position at Morgan Stanley, and we're going to learn so much from her, not just about her money story, but since the focus of this month is Latinas in leadership, we're going to learn from her as a Latina leader in the corporate sector. So that is it. Eso es todo. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to the show and to support the show, you can check out the show notes at jenhempill.com forward slash 265. Remember being the reina of your dinero starts now at this moment, simply by claiming it, I believe in you and so should you. If you love this podcast, love this episode, I would love it if you would share it with someone you care about because you never know what exactly that person is going through and the simple act of sharing can change the direction of their financial life for the better. Bueno pues, now that is everything. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.